Welcome to Oxpods, the podcast by students and their professors at the University of Oxford. A lot of us took up hobbies during the pandemic, from baking to running to even pottery. I'm Alice Hazel, a classical archaeology and ancient history student at Lady Margaret Hall, and today I'm going to be speaking to Cathy O'Brien, an archaeology DPhil student at Keeble College, to learn more about her research into pottery during the pandemic and its benefits for our well-being. Hi Cathy, welcome to Oxpods. Thank you so much for coming on today. Firstly, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm Cathy O'Brien. I'm a DPhil student at the School of Archaeology here at Oxford. Um, and I'm investigating pottery during the pandemic, uh, looking at skill development and its effective impact in COVID-19 Britain. And would you be able to elaborate a bit more on that? What drew you to this area of study? Yeah, so I was doing my MSc during the pandemic in 2020. Um, and I wanted to go into studios and look at how people were learning skills, particularly pottery, um, and sort of the how your well-being impacts changed as your level of skill developed. So for my MSc thesis, um, I was stuck at home and I started looking at how pottery skills could be learned using my family as my participants. So people were using different things like books or YouTube tutorials or a part of Facebook groups. Um, and I was looking at the well-being impacts that could be generated using a scaling measure called the Museum's Wellbeing Measures toolkit um, and basically what I found was people were able to connect and get seek other advice from more established potters online and so I sort of decided to develop this for my DPhil thesis working with people outside of my home um, who basically started taking up pottery during the pandemic sort of as a way of relieving stress or as a secondary income stream when their normal jobs or normal work was suspended. That's really interesting. And um, you just mentioned the museum's well-being toolkit. Would you be able to elaborate a bit more on what that is? Yeah, so I sort of started using it for my undergraduate thesis when I was looking at the well-being impacts of object handling sessions in museums. So it's developed by a team at UCL and it's basically scaling measures. So you do one test before you take part in an activity and one test afterwards and then you compare the difference. Um, as an anthropologist, I don't tend to use these measures, but because I'm working on well-being and mental health, um, I found it was quite a useful way of communicating the actual impacts you see. For my default research, I don't use these measures because I've got more extended contact with my potters and we can sort of talk more in depth about things. But when you're doing sort of short-term studies, it's a really useful way of looking at it. I'd love to know a bit more about you. So how did you become interested um, in this subject? What did you study for your undergrad? And um, how did you find yourself as a DPhil student? So I did the Archaeology and Anthropology BA here at Oxford. Um, and I just really loved how broad it was. And I mean, you're looking at different times, different places, different people. Um, and you're really encouraged to integrate the two disciplines throughout. Um, so that was really my starting point. And for that, I started looking at um, material engagement theory and object handling. Um, and then that led me on to my MSc, which I focused on, I did Visual Material Museum Anthropology, also here at Oxford, which was an excellent course and really helped develop some of the ideas I was having. Um, and that's when I started looking at pottery, um, largely because my undergraduate supervisor, Professor Lambros Malaforis, who developed material engagement theory, um, he's focused on pottery, so it was kind of a natural progression for me. Um, 
And so then I was doing this research for my MSc, looking at potters at home, um, and I developed that then for my DPhil thesis. Um, and throughout, I've always been trying to integrate this sort of cognitive archaeology, this theory, with the more practical ethnographic research that happens in anthropology. And that's largely because of how I was encouraged to do so for my undergraduate. So in terms of your research on pottery, have you actually found that people are really benefiting from their mental health from pottery? Um, like, is it a cure? Is it preventative? I'd love yeah, to know Yeah, so more. you can kind of think about well-being as being either objective, which is sort of concerned with external factors and sort of general life, and subjective, which is um, sort of subdivided into hedonic and eudaimonic. So hedonic is the sort of like happiness and positive emotion and eudaimonic is more associated with sort of self-fulfillment, empowerment, belonging, these kind of things. So for my research, I focus on these two forms of subjective well-being um, and I've, I found pottery to have a positive impact on both. So when you're actually practicing pottery, engaging with clay, there are lots of sensuous you know, experiences you're having um, to do with the actual materiality of clay itself. So its malleability lends itself to either producing things or destroying things, which can have like a self-expressive component, or you can also have a really cathartic experience, sort of like stabbing and ripping clay. And this is all kind of discussed in the clay therapy and art therapy literature. Um, and then the eudaimonic benefits are a sort of satisfaction that you get from developing a skill, um, sort of feeling that confidence and self-esteem, as well as being part of a wider community of other people using the same hobby as you. So a lot of these I found to be related with how people were using social media as well. So when you're learning from home, you're not in the studio, you're not in the workshop. Um, if you're connecting to people online, you're able to still be part of a community and still sort of share knowledge um, and experience this idea of belonging. But obviously, we all know that social media can have negative consequences as well for your mental health. Um, so when it's important when you're talking about positive well-being impacts to always consider the way that it can also have negative ones. That's fascinating. Do you think there's a difference between, like, if you just do pottery once, just say you go to a class, um, or taking it up over, like, a long period of time, do you think the benefits differ between those two things? Yes, definitely. I think you can have really great experiences just doing something one-off, um, and that's particularly concerned with the hedonic benefits, the sort of sensory stuff you can definitely experience on a one-off scale. But when you participate in something for a longer time, you develop this skill, this mastery, this community. Um, and sort of this idea is elaborated um, in the serious leisure perspective, which is a sociological perspective that basically looks at you could be doing something casually uh, or you could be doing something seriously um, or you could be focused on a specific project and the specific project stuff relates more to the serious where you're really involved in something for a slightly more prolonged period of time um, and though the benefits really come through when you sort of engage in it as a lifelong hobby or even over just a series of months. Okay and did a lot of people take up pottery during the pandemic? I, like in my head, I think of you know classes and wheels. It doesn't feel like something you can do at home, um, but obviously people did. And I wonder if you can like tell me any of the reasons why people chose pottery as opposed to I don't know painting or photography. Just why pottery? 
Yeah, so we definitely saw a lot of people having increased leisure time during the pandemic. And I think a lot of us can relate to that sort of idea of like, oh, well, I've got all this time on my hands. I want to learn something new, um, either sort of for boredom or just as like a therapeutic thing, wanting to try something different. Um, and I think a lot of the reasons people were drawn to pottery was actually because of social media, um, particularly TikTok and Instagram Reels. Um, there was this huge uptick in these, I'm sure everyone's familiar with these videos of like spinning pottery on the wheel and the sort of really seeing the sort of sensory aspects of it communicated visually, which I know really drew a lot of people to trying to learn. However, pottery is this really expensive skill. If you want to learn, like lessons alone are very expensive. If you wanted to learn from home, you'd need to buy a wheel um, or have a kiln set up, which is just not financially accessible for most people. So actually you had a lot of people learning to do things just using air drying clay, maybe painting them with acrylic and then sort of using a lacquer to seal them. Um, and I think that's something that people felt inspired that they could do a lot through p bigger accounts posting on Instagram showing you actually you can start a small business doing pottery just in a different way that doesn't necessarily fit the traditional model of how we imagine pottery to be. You mentioned people find community online. Um, do you think that the benefits coming from that community are the same when you have an in-person community and an online community? Do you think there's like quite big differences between the two or like psychologically is it the same? Um, I think that we tend to think of online and offline as sort of binaries as you know you're one or the other. Um, most of the time these are really blended experiences so you could be in an online community of people that are potters in Oxfordshire um, or you could be connecting and sharing images with people that you've met in studios. Um, so in that case like a lot of our interactions are actually both. During the pandemic, people were kind of stuck with just having online, especially if you'd only just taken up pottery. Um, and in terms of the social benefits, I think there are a lot there. Obviously, you don't have the sort of physical benefits of being in the same space, but you can be sharing advice, you can be um, sort of supporting each other, encouraging each other to partake in new things. But also really importantly, you can be learning new skills at a distance. Um, and this does change with sort of traditional in-person teaching versus online teaching. But when you combine the two, or if you only have access to one, I still think it's a very valuable resource. Often pottery, you sort of associate with older people. I think probably save the time to do it. But you've mentioned like TikTok and Instagram. Is it getting more popular among younger people? And are the benefits perhaps more prominent for younger people? Definitely, it's getting more popular among younger people. So is craft working in general. I mean, I know personally, a lot of people are taking up knitting and crochet, which most people would associate with their grandmothers. But like now it's actually a cool, trendy thing. Um, and the benefits, I think, are kind of the same for everyone, but the problem is younger people tend not to be able to afford access to either going to lessons or having their own home studios and things. So what's really important is finding creative ways to engage in this practice that don't necessarily have the same financial barriers to it. And is that where sort of air dry clay comes into play? Exactly. So air drying clay, um, sort of finding communities online where you can share kiln space. You know, It can be a really expensive thing to rent kilns, but a lot of the time, if you approach people online in your local community, they'll be able to fire things for you. So you could even hand build something with like real clay at home and take it to a studio. And do you think like the benefits of pottery, like you talk about like malleability and working with your hands, do you think that's kind of exclusive to pottery? Do you think there are other ways of expression that like match up to it or is it really just um, unique in its benefits? 
Um, I think that there are both wider, like there are lots of things that you can get from participating in any leisure activity, whether that's sport, online gaming, any other kind of craft working, gardening, cooking, all these kind of things that you do for enjoyment have these sort of benefits of community often and identity construction and all these kind of things. Um, but there are also things that are specific to pottery. Um, compared to, say, painting as a skill, it's this really unmediated access. You're working directly with your hands on material. It's a very bodily sensation. Um, and because of the properties of the clay itself, um, whether that's sort of the smoothness, the messiness, the earthiness, um, the hardness when it's fired, like all these different things contribute to how you feel when you're engaging with it. So yes, there are some things that are shared, but also you can really hone in on specific sensations and sort of think about how you're feeling through that. And when I think about pottery, it's quite a natural thing. You know, we've been doing it for centuries and I wonder if that's like an element. Is that why people choose to do it? It's a sense of getting back to nature. Definitely, definitely. A lot of my participants cited that as one of the main things that drew it, them to pottery, sort of this idea of reconnecting with nature, going back, using the earth, all these kind of things that also echo wider narratives surrounding sustainability. Um, and I think particularly younger people today have this very overwhelming sense of what can I do to be more sustainable um, or sort of just fret about the sort of ecological crisis that we're experiencing and sort of framing your identity and your craft working practice around engaging in something that is seen as very sort of primal if you like and very natural um, helps you kind of cope with the idea that you don't have much control over these other wider aspects in your life um, but makes you feel like you're part of a movement against it in a way. And I've taken a few pottery classes before one of the things I find about it is that you know you make something and it breaks and it completely collapses and it all goes wrong and then you just do it again. Um, is that one of the benefits of it the fact you can never really be perfect at it? Yeah, definitely. I think the big thing um, in developing the skill is getting used to that feeling of failure because it can happen at any moment. When you're on the wheel, you can knock something off. That's it, it's gone. It can go to the kiln and then, oh, it's exploded. You could then, it could not explode. You could glaze it and then it explodes a second time. It could just fall off the shelf. Like at every stage, it can break. So I think when you're starting, it can be really frustrating when you just can't do the wheel. Like it's really hard to center things initially. So developing the skill, getting a sense of like, oh, well, you know, it happens is a really important resilience and an emotional skill that you can develop through doing pottery. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And do you think the people who've taken up pottery during the pandemic, I know sort of everyone took up a random hobby during the pandemic and gave it up when it went back to normal, but have they continued? A lot of my participants have. Some people haven't because you have this pressure of going back to work and you kind of leave that bubble of being in your own home. Um, but a lot of people sort of described it as finding a calling, finding the thing that it was that they wanted to do. Um, particularly people who had success starting up small businesses, uh, which isn't an easy thing to do and a lot will fail, but a lot have also managed to build a brand for themselves um, and really see this as an avenue forward. Of course, the problem is, is this is a, a lot of this is selling online um, and that puts you in a really precarious position because you're taking part in digital labor um, where you're basically giving you're producing content for sites like Instagram and Etsy and you're also consuming it. So you're in a precarious position because what happens if these sites shut down? Does it change your business model? What if the demands of the site change? For example, when Instagram brought in Reels as a sort of TikTok 
short format video. A lot of people who'd just been posting images in order to get people to see their accounts need to swap to this format, which changes how they work in their studio and things like this. So it's it's a great thing, but it's precarious. And when you've been doing your research, what do you think the like key takeaway has been so far? I know that's a big question, but um, what's really stood out to you? Um, for me, I think the most important thing is thinking about how you enjoy your leisure time. Um, and focusing on what you can do, especially with things like the pandemic and all these wider issues, what you can do to make yourself feel well at home. You know, this doesn't need to be a therapeutic thing. It doesn't need to be sort of medicalized in that sense, but just having a general understanding of well-being and what you can do to bring some peace to your life and build communities and things like this, I think is the important thing that I'm taking away from it. Is there like a key message you think people should take away from this podcast? Is it go start pottery? Um, I think that everyone should start pottery or at least have a go. I think that the beautiful thing about it is you have hand building, you have wheel throwing, you have slip casting, you have all these techniques and they're all sort of for different personalities. Like personally, I really like wheel throwing because it's this instant thing. Yes, you might mess up and it gets ruined, but then you just start again. And I really like that quick fire process. Other people really like hand building because it's this sort of delicate, really hands-on, very sort of detailed work that takes a very long time. Um, slip casting is very quick to do, but you need more equipment. So, but I basically think that if you can get your hands on some air dry clay, give it a go, have a think about what you're feeling when you're doing it um, and how you're reacting to the clay as well as the clay is reacting to you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've really enjoyed listening to everything you've had to say. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oxpods. If you enjoyed it, please do recommend to a friend and check out our episodes from other channels too. To keep up to date with episode releases, to suggest ideas for new episodes, or to get involved with recording, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or go straight to our website at www.oxpods.co.uk.